Welcome to the HSCT Warriors Podcast, bringing voice to the journeys of HSCT Warriors Worldwide. I'm Dr. Jen Stansberry Koenig, or Zen Jen, moderator of Meaningful Conversations and convener of community. As we continue to grow the HSCT Warrior community, illuminate the invisibilities of autoimmune disease, recognize the possibilities of a future free from disease progression, connect through our shared experiences, and advocate for an inclusive society. I'm so glad you've joined us. It's so great to connect with you, Kim. You too. When I was talking to Megan, she said, she's just sweet as sugar. And I've been listening to the podcast. And I'm like, she really is. She is sugar sweet. Oh, I'm so grateful to hear you say that. That's very kind. Oh, it's true. <laughs> it's just such a pleasure to be able to connect with people willing to share their stories. You too. I agree. I wish I had found this. Oh my goodness. Um, you know, I was diagnosed in 2012 and I would have given anything to have had something because I thought I was all alone out there. And this has just been... I'm thankful to Megan because she's the one that led me to all of this and the Facebook groups and all that. And it's just been so helpful. And I've found a lot of things that help me, you know, through other people's struggles. And so I, if I can give back, you know, half of what everybody else has given back to me, I, I feel I will have done something. Right. I'm so grateful. Yeah. And I felt a similar isolation as part of the motivation for doing the podcast thinking. Yes. I walked into HSCT with so much anxiety and stress and realized like if I can help other people not walk into HSCT with that same stress and anxiety, maybe by listening to other stories, then I will have done my part. Right. Right. And I'm so thankful. And I will tell you, like for me, I think I had been suffering for so long and in pain that more for me, the anxiety was the diagnosis and not having answers and not knowing if there's even anything out there to um, assist me, you know, in the end with my process, my disease process. And then when it, when HSCT came, it was like, yeah, you know, but then it was the after the recovery part that was probably not when I was up there, I expected all of that. It was more when I got home about a year on. And that's been the hardest part for me because that's when I thought, Oh, a year comes around, you're supposed to be better. Everything's better. And for me, it, it's taking longer. I realize now that that's okay. But <clears throat> at the time, I was just getting depressed and feeling sad. And that's when Megan said, Kim, you really need to you know, get with these groups and listen to this. And I was just so thankful that I had her to at least reach out to you. And then I have, now I feel like I have a community that I want to meet everybody because I feel like I want to invite everybody down south and let's have a big <laughs> get together. <laughs> sure. <clears throat> so, um, but I'm thankful to you for for doing this. That's Um, for sure. So yeah, gratitude all around. That's a great way to start the day. Yes, it is. (laughs) So yeah, tell us a little bit more about your diagnosis then and how surprising it was or isolating the experience was. Sure. I, let's see, I was diagnosed in 2012 and up until then, very athletic. Um, I certainly was no Iron Man. (laughs) Or Iron Woman like Megan was, but I sure she's amazing. That's okay. I don't. I've learned not to compare um, myself to anyone. But um, I, you know, played sports. I played golf, tennis, ran five Ks. I even ran a half marathon. Um, just very active. Hunted and fished and all those things. Um, and in fact, you know, something that keeps getting brought up to me was, do you think it's because you tore your ACL when I was thirteen? And 
I just don't know. I was very athletic at a young age, and I tore my left ACL when I was 13, and they took it out because back then, I'm 44 now, and back then, that was in 1988, they only could do the open knee surgeries and that sort of thing. And so we, we had it taken out, and you had to finish growing before they could do the construction. So when I was 17 in 1992, we decided to have the reconstructive, but I used a cadaver ligament. But I was fine all these years until right before I was diagnosed. I, I remember I started, my husband had deployed to Afghanistan in 2010. And when he came back, I remember I was running and I told my husband, I said, gosh, I feel like I popped a, you know, not my ligament, but a cartilage or something in that same knee. And then shortly after that is when I started getting the fatigue and the swelling in, in my hands. And so I thought, Something's weird, but I wasn't in pain yet. But that's when I went to the doctor and my ANAs were up. And then we started the process of getting into a rheumatologist, which always takes some time. And I had my surgery, another knee surgery scheduled um, with my original surgeon down in Florida, where I'm from, um, that Christmas. And my mom was able to get me in with a rheumatologist a little sooner. And they were able to see that I had the SCL-70 gene and all that. But when the nurse went or not gene antibodies excuse me when the nurse went in and the doctor went in for my knee i had a cyclops lesion which is like 10 percent of people with acl surgeries like i have have cyclops lesion and basically it's a large amount of scar tissue um and so i asked my surgeon who i dearly love and very close to my whole life i said do you think that has anything to do with scleroderma and he said you know I don't, it looked vascularized, your ligament looked good. Um, when I checked out the donor ligament, when we, um, you know, put it in back all those years ago, it was fine. So it makes us wonder, like, did my scleroderma happen, which caused the cyclops lesion, or did the cyclops lesion come and, and aggravate the scleroderma? I mean, that's something we'll never know. It's so um, curious, isn't it? it like yeah, right. it just figuring out the antecedent and what caused this is just, right. it's so curious. Right. But, you know, then on the other side of it, too, I don't get too caught up in that because the other side of it, my mother has really bad osteoarthritis and where she has changes in her hands. And then my dad has diabetes um, type 2. So, I mean... It could just be genetic, too. My body is pre-wired, you know, so I don't really get caught up in that. What I try to get caught up is, is is say, okay, what do I do from here to live a very productive, healthy life? There you go. So I, but it does make, it does, I'm an occupational therapist by trade, so. Oh, wow. Right. So it does make me curious. I'm a little bit nerdy when it comes to to that um it does make me <laughs> get curious of, oh i wonder how i got this weird strange disease you know but so that's kind of the history and then i when i got diagnosed because i had the scl-70 antibody they knew to watch for my lungs because that meant diffuse scleroderma and diffuse is you know internal organ involvement and so um i was doing fine really other than starting to have achy joints. My fingers were swollen and shiny. I did have the Raynaud's, um, but I really wasn't in a little fatigued, but not too bad until about eight months in, they looked at um, my lungs and my lungs started showing some slight changes. So that's kind of when everybody freaked out and we started Cytoxan 
And I chose to get the infusion in 2013 because I really wanted to have more children. I had two little girls. And at the time, they were four and two, maybe, or six and four. And I wanted to have more children, I thought. And so I was doing the once-a-month infusions along with the um, Lupron shots, hoping that it wouldn't put me in early menopause. But it didn't work. I still went into early menopause. and hmm. But I'm, again, very thankful I have two young, healthy girls. And sure. Sometimes that. But, so that's all we did. And then I stayed on, um, uh, let's see, after Cytoxin, then I got on Celsex for years. And that's what I thought all that was available to me. I was going to UAB. They were wonderful. And that's the University of Alabama in Birmingham. And um, they were great. But I accidentally came across HSCT um, when I was on the phone with a company I was working for, working with, I was doing a conference call and they always would pray for me at the beginning and ask um, how I was doing and what was the name of my disease again. Oh, that's so kind. Right. It was so kind. And so I was just, I always joked, yeah, I'm in the skincare and cosmetic company, but yet my skin is hard. I will never have to worry about wrinkles, but I do worry. You know, I would joke around, I'd say, I, it's an oxymoron. And so I'm the only person in Mary Kay that would like wrinkles. And they giggle, you know, they would giggle and say, well, we're going to pray for you anyways. And I would explain in those terms that it's autoimmune disease and hardens my skin, but I have a soft heart, all those things. And there was actually a woman on this phone call at 5 a.m. because she was in Washington State. And she was just very faithful and would get up and listen to our conferences and she called me and said, have you ever heard of HSCT? It's going on and, and it's starting to be looked at. And I said, you're kidding me. And this was in 2017. So I said, I asked my husband and he has, he's a veterinarian and he got the journal of medicine and it was in there and Duke was doing, uh, just finished a trial and um, they had, finished the trial in 2000 let's see 15 years ago but they had published it and it was in the new england journal of medicine and we called them and they said send her stuff to us right now and we sent the stuff and dr sullivan and dr long and tanya helms looked at it and they said get her up here let's do the pre-work and that so it's amazing it was it's such a god story and such a you know i'm just lucky that i lucked out because i had no idea about HSCT and that it was available to me. I knew it was available to for other diseases, but um, and so we went up there and then I qualified and I qualified because I had enough skin involvement and enough internal organ involvement with lung involvement, um, esophageal involvement, and a little bit of gastro lower intestines involvement. And so um, I qualified and I really qualified just in time because I think if my lungs had gotten a little worse, they would have been worried mm. to, to do it. That's so, so scary. Um, I know, I know. And, I, and here's me. I, I like to kid around saying I have a little bit too much of the happy hormones because <laughs> I was just like, woo, I didn't know my lungs were that bad, you know, um, <laughs> just trying to live my life and, you know, just, you know, deal with the hand I've been dealt and pray and look at the bright side of things. And just be grateful. And so um, I didn't realize they were that bad. And so when they said I qualified it, for me, it was just a no brainer. I wasn't scared. I was like, I don't care. I'm going to lose my hair. I'm ready to fight this. It's a way to fight back, you know? Yeah. Because scleroderma, as you understand with MS, it, you don't feel like you can fight back. 
And when I found out I could, I thought, oh, this is great. I can do this for my children, for me, for my family, all my friends, for people, you know, after me. And um, losing my hair just wasn't a big deal to me at that point. And, sure. you know, and I, my skin was starting to get tighter and my hands were contracting more, my fingers. So I was seeing the progression in that area pretty quickly. I didn't see it as much in my lungs, I guess, because I just didn't feel, feel it. it. Sure. It sounds like you the course of remedy, if you will, with the cytoxin mm-hmm. and the cell sept was keeping things at bay for right. a good five years. Yes, I'm very thankful that I do think that is what kept it at bay. And, and I'm so thankful for that because, um, you know, without that, I'm afraid my lungs would have sure. gotten quicker, quicker. So very thankful. And I didn't really have any um, other than going to into early menopause. I didn't really have any... Um, side effects. I didn't have the swelling that CELSEP can give. And I was on the max dose. I didn't have, I, I occasionally had GI issues, but that can also be pyoderma. Sure. Um, so I didn't, I, I handled it fine now and my liver seems fine. And I would just always get checked out. Like they asked me to the blood work and check your kidneys and your liver and check your blood pressure. Cause that's a sign of the kidneys. And, and I would do that. And I seemed, I was very lucky. I seemed to be fine there. So when it was time for the HSBT, it's been really nice to get off all those other meds. Well, sure. But, so what made you decide to go through HSCT if, if CELSEPT and everything was yeah. working for you? Well, I think it was um, last, let's see, the summer of 2018. I noticed the beginning of the summer, I always go to the beach with my family. We, I'm from Florida and we go to Longboat Key and I love to fish. And, and my arm, my right arm had gotten so tight that I couldn't fish anymore. I couldn't mm. reach the back of my head. I couldn't do my hair and I had long hair and it got, I was like, gosh, if this is happening just with my right arm, I was, I had gotten very tight. I couldn't look to the left or right very well. And I thought if this is happening now, I wonder what's going to happen on the inside of me. And I'm young yet. And I, I still want to do things with my kids and I still want to swim and I noticed I jumped in the pool because I was a really good swimmer I still decent but I jumped in and normally I could push off the bottom and come right up it took me a while to come up to where my friends mm, were actually kind of a little nervous oh because my arm didn't swim as well and I thought I I want to fight back and um at first Duke had not done anything standard of care yet so we had to fight insurance and they were amazing at helping me fight insurance. And another little fun God story is one of their patients 15 years ago when he got was in the trial, he's a lawyer down near my hometown. And when insurance was denying me, I called him and I called Duke. And um, he basically wrote up an entire, a huge um, booklet to fight for me. Amazing. Um, Sent it to Duke, sent it to Alabama Blue Cross Blue Shield. And then Duke, Tanya is a bulldog when it comes to fighting for her patients. And she was very um, well spoken, <laughs> much better than my husband and I wanted to drive up to the headquarters and choke somebody. Of but, course. Um, she, <laughs> she was wonderful. And um, she fought for me. So, you know, at first we thought it was going to be canceled. And I was so upset. It was August 15th. And I thought, well, we're supposed to be on our way to Duke. And I sent my mom home to Florida and three hours goes by and Tanya calls me that we got approved. They, they wow. said, 
So I called my mom. I said, Mom, turn around. <laughs> so she came back, and we went up in August of 2018 and started to fight. And um, best decision I ever made. Right. Really. Because my arm, you know, I'm still tight. I still have some skin tightening. And I'm about 19 months old. March 4th, I was 19 months old from the stem cell transplant. Um, I still have some tightness, but I'm much, I'm much less fatigued. I'm not near as tight as I was. I still have some soreness and I still deal with sores on my fingers. That's probably the hardest part, but my cough is getting better. I feel like my reflexes on is better. It's never going to go away, but it's better. Wonderful. Right. And so, you know, I'm slower progressing in, in recovery, but that's okay. I'm, I'm able to get up in the morning and take my kids to school. I'm not as fatigued and I'm not on as many meds. And so it's been really um, a great decision. Well, yeah, as long as you can halt that progression, right? Right, right. And, you know, I might not ever be able to have certain movements back. And, you know, we're going out of town today for spring break. And I, I actually am going for my checkup at Duke. And my family just said, hey, let's just go up there and ski for spring break. And I, was like, okay. and I may not be able to do the skiing like I used to. And I may not be able to, so I'll tube, I, you know, I'm really good at, okay, so I'm going to adapt. I can't do this, but I can do this. And for me, that's okay because we all have to do that. We all are going to age. We're all going to, you know, so maybe I'm having to do it a little bit earlier than I wanted to, but I find that that way I can be a part of my family. I can be a part of my friends and still have fun and pass on my knowledge to my kids with sports, but watch them do it. And so, you know, I'm, I try to find the, the bright side of things and not focus on what I can't do. So what, what, important. Right. Right. And that's been a process. I mean, that wasn't, and that's not always easy. I still have my occasional pity party. And of I think, course. You're to, yeah, you're allowed to have that. But, but I think, um, you know, just getting past that, and saying, okay, well, what can I do? Let's focus on that, you know? <laughs> so Right. And just remember that you're not getting worse. Right. Right. I try to shift the mindset and I've caught myself so many times saying yeah. I'm stuck with this permanent damage. Yes, but I, at the same time, like trying to shift that narrative and say, mm-hmm. I have the opportunity to try to heal. Yes. It's just a yes. much more positive way to frame it. Yes. And I'll tell you another God story that really hit me hard during um, HSCT. So I just kept telling my husband when we were going up there, what in the world made them want to work on scleroderma? It's so rare. There's only one out of, what is it? One out of, gosh, I used to know the statistic. Uh, I don't want to quote it wrong, but it's very rare. And I thought, why in the world would they study scleroderma? I'm so thankful. And so I just was dying to meet Dr. Sullivan, who no longer, he doesn't really um, practice anymore. Um, and he's the one that started this, I guess, Dr. Burke in Northwestern started it up there. And then Dr. Sullivan and um, Duke. And so Dr. Long is now the um, oncologist that does a transplant and his PA is Tanya Helms they're precious but i wanted i really wanted to meet dr sullivan and occasionally i think he rounds still but he's much more in a um i guess more of like a guidance position and so 
he actually came to my room and I was so thankful. Of course, I looked horrible and I didn't get a picture with him. He's the only person <laughs> I didn't get a picture with. And I said, Dr. Sullivan, he said, I heard you want to meet me. And I said, oh my gosh, you must be Dr. Sullivan. And I said, I've just got to know what made you pick scleroderma to work, you know, out of all these diseases. And he said, well, it's actually cancer that led me. And I said, oh, really? Tell me. Well, at Duke, what they, one of the things they specialize in is um, multiple myeloma, which is a blood cancer. Right. And most everybody on the floor with me had that. And they were all various ages from 20 to 80. And I was the only one up there at the time that had scleroderma getting the transplant. And I said, so what in the world, you know, why did that multiple myeloma lead you to cancer? He said, well, after some of the people with multiple myeloma would have a transplant, they would start having scleroderma symptoms, the hardening Interesting. The, um, when they rejected. And he said, I've got to figure out something to stop that because I'm we're helping one disease, but yet we're causing another. And so he started studying scleroderma patients. And then lo and behold, this his protocol started working on us. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm so thankful. And then when I would walk the halls, because they really wanted us to walk a lot, I looked in the you know other rooms and I, they couldn't even get up. They were so sick. They couldn't go to the bathroom like I could. They couldn't get a shower like I could. They couldn't get up out of their beds. Cancer had ripped them down to shreds and they had already gone through so much chemo before they even got there to get the transplant. They were so weak and I thought, I am so lucky. I have scleroderma and not what they have, you know? And um, it just puts things in perspective. And then I thought, well, gosh, I'm, you know, I'm just so thankful. And these people are such fighters and, you know, I'm, I'm thankful I'm here and I'm thankful I can fight. And, you know, that this, this group of scientists who don't get paid near what they should, I mean, mm. it's not private practice are there all the time, Saturdays during hurricanes. I was up there during hurricane. He was there. Wow. Let my mom stay in the hospital with me because they didn't want her traveling. Just, you know, amazing people that are really committed to, finding, you know, cures and help and help for these rare diseases. And I'm just so thankful. They're saving lives. Right. They are. They it's, really are. It is such a humbling experience to walk those halls and just yes. witness it the teams is. and see the patients, right? Yes. And you actually become so attached to where I'm actually looking forward on my spring break to <laughs> seeing all of them. And, and revisiting. Sure. Yeah. And I, and I get to missing them and, you know, I haven't even met Megan yet, you know, face to face. And there's a couple other people that I've gotten in contact with and I haven't even met them. And I'm so, I miss them and I'm so excited to meet them one day at, you know, a conference or at something we can hopefully go to together. And it's funny, they become your family and they become people that you can really count on and that you admire and that you know we're with you during the worst and best of times. Yeah, it's such a yeah. different level of connection. It is. You're right. That's a great way to put it. Yes. So why was it important for you to participate in the podcast? Oh, gosh. If I, just to give hope. If I can give hope to anybody else out there. Because um, when you get this diagnosis, it is a bit devastating because you do hear people with cancer getting in remission. And there's so much more many more studies out there and for cancers or for heart disease and other things. And even though those are all awful too, um, it's never a good day to get a, a health, a bad health diagnosis. Right. 
but you know, you get something weird like this and you get on the internet and it says it's going to, you're going to die in five years. Mm. And you think, no way I'm 36. I can't die in five years. I have two more kids I'm raising, right. you know, and you, and that's all you read. That's all. And, and so then I just quit. I took a different approach because it was messing with my mind. And I said, I'm not going to read, uh, read this stuff anymore. Cause that's all that was out there, you know, eight years ago when I was diagnosed. Sure, and I thought, I'm doom not and gloom. Yeah. And, um, so I said, okay, I'm just going to take it as it comes. And so I, I did the opposite of Megan. I didn't read anything, <laughs> stayed away from all that stuff and just kind of stayed in my happy world. But then, you know, the last year was the time to, okay, now it is time to do some research. Because you the started, last yeah. Well, you started noticing yeah. the increase of right. symptoms. Right. And then also, I think I beca- mentally became able to, okay, I can take what's thrown at me now. I'm not going to die tomorrow. I'm fine. Um, and, you know, it really, I wanted to give other people hope and realize that no matter how rare it is, you know, if you get connected in a healthy way and find your, your group, your tribe, you're going to be able to get some help and, you know, and, and it's not just physical health. It becomes mental health too. I mean, you know, it's definitely important to take care of yourself mentally as well. And there's going to be hills and valleys and that's okay. Um, So just to give other people hope and to, you know, also it's been, it's a way for me to thank the community that has helped me so much is just to be there for everybody else. I'm so glad that we're finally able to connect with the Sclerodema community. It's been something I've been hoping to do since I started the podcast. And I'm, Oh, that's so neat. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Well, because HSCT truly is for so many different autoimmune diseases. It is. You know, I have such high hopes for sickle cell, um, and for MS. And, um, I have a lot of friends here and, you know, being an OT in this community and I worked in the hospital, I was around so many people with lupus and sickle cell and just all those things that just hit young people, really young people in their prime, you know, before they have children, I'm just thankful I have children because this could have made it to where I couldn't have kids. And, you know, I always have wanted to have kids. I knew that from, I'm very family oriented. And so, um, you know, just to see all that. And I, so now that I've been through HSCT and I'm on, you know, I feel like now I'm finally getting to the other side. I have such high hopes for these other diseases that we just, because I firmly believe autoimmune diseases are called autoimmune diseases because we just don't know what causes them yet. <laughs> you know, cancer, we know what, we know what cancer is and, you know, AIDS, HIV is a virus and we know all these things, but I think like lupus and MS and ALS, I have high hopes for ALS, good friends. Oh, gosh, with yeah. And, you know, all these weird, you know, quote, autoimmune diseases, I really think it's just, we just don't know what causes it yet. And that's why we got to term it something. But maybe this is, you know, going to be the answer for so many more autoimmune diseases. And that's really my hope as well. It's definitely important to promote awareness that this is an yes. option. Yeah, exactly. And I'm such an open book. I may be too much. <laughs> so, um, well, why don't you tell us about your most memorable experience with HSCD? I think it was, well, really getting to know myself, but also, um, you know, I thought I was just, I've always said I had too much of the happy hormone. <laughs> um, and I think I thought I was, kind of um, immune to getting depressed and anxious. Um, I always had empathy or not, not empathy, sympathy. 
for people who have anxiety and depression, that sort of thing. But I, I'm on the opposite spectrum. And I think I thought I was immune to that. Well, then my year hit. And I just woke up one morning and I was just anxious like I've never been before. I don't even, I, I it's an awful feeling. Interesting. You know, depressed. I just, I asked my husband, I said, hey, get me some Ativan. And I don't even know what I was thinking. I hadn't had Ativan since I was at Duke. And so it was, I just, it hit me. And I think it was eight years or seven years worth of pent up, not allowing myself to feel Mm. sad and grieve my old body, grieve the things I used to could do, grieve what I thought my life was going to be. I didn't allow myself to do all those things because I was in survival mode. Right. And I think I learned that it's okay to do that and to grieve and everybody grieves differently and there are different times and that's okay. That doesn't make you a failure or weak. No. That actually makes you stronger. And healthy. Yes. And so I think it, it was getting to know my real self and then getting to be a better person because my poor mom was with me the whole time. I'm so lucky that my mom could stay with me the whole time. But oh my gosh, after my first radiation, I kicked her out of my room and I thought, what in the world? And um, I remember the nurses had never seen me like that because, you know, again, I'm, I have a sunny disposition and um, the nurse gave me some Ativan that was hilarious because I think I woke up the next day or something and she goes, we found out we don't need to give you a full dose of Ativan ever. Um, <laughs> I said, oh, good thing. I'm sensitive. And I remember going, mom, I'm so sorry. I can't believe I just kicked you out of my room. Like, ooh, the steroids and the the nerves, I guess, will get to you. And so, you know, I think I realized how human I am and that I'm not like superwoman, always happy, and that's okay. Um, and just the love that these scientists give you while you're going through such a horrible time. And these nurses, I called them all my angels. Oh, the my Duke gosh. Angels. So like my nurses, I had day angels and night angels. And then my radiation team, I called them the bright angels. The, my first radiation, my simulation, took a long time for us to figure out how I could stay still and be comfortable in my stiff body and then in the position that you have to be in and all. And it took a while for us to figure it out. And there was like seven, eight people there, three physicists, and then seven or eight bright angels on the team, you know, mm-hmm. that work there that are techs and nurses. And they were an hour after going home and wow. afterwards, nobody complained. Nobody felt I needed to hurry up. All they did was worry about me. Mm. Just the love of this community that they're not doing it just for their paycheck. And I think it made me realize I want to do something like that again one day, you know, it's when amazing. I get amazing. Yeah. Those yeah. nurses are oh. just absolutely amazing. Oh, yeah. Even the text and even the sweet lady at nine o'clock every night, her name's Crystal at nine o'clock every night that changed our garbage in my bedroom mm. was precious. Yeah. And she, I'm praying for you. How are you feeling? Just, you know, coming in, making us feel so special every night at nine o'clock. And I thought this girl works rain, shine, hurricane. She was 20 something, has a kid, just precious. And, you know, she's not getting paid a lot. And the people that brought me my food, I mean, it was just the whole, the whole university. I don't know what they're doing, but they really are just loving on us because we're, we're sick and they know it. And it was just really, you know, a heartwarming feeling that the world really isn't that bad. (laughs) Sure. Well, yeah, I could say the same for Northwestern and I think the same people say the same about Mexico and Russia. It's just very uh, refreshing to hear. There's a lot of good left in the world. And and I really saw that being sick made me see that. And that's a, because on the news, all we see is bad stuff and hear bad things. And yeah, I stopped I watching it 11 years yeah. ago. 
I refuse. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so I'm just able to go, you know what? There's a lot of good left. And even in, I know they're doing stuff in Calgary and in Russia and yes. all over. And, and I've been able to connect with those people. And I think this is awesome, you know? And so medicine can really unify us as well. And sickness can unify us. Sure. So, sure. Yeah. Well, I just appreciate you sharing your story. Gosh. Well, I do have to tell you my three. I've been thinking about this because you ask a lot of people and I know you haven't asked me, but I do have superpowers now. <laughs> I'm so excited. What are the superpowers you gained from yeah. HSCT? Yes, because you always ask for one, but I said, okay, how am I going to term this? Because I really think I have three, but I call it the three P's. <laughs> I like uh, it. The three P's, or we could call it the tripod or the tri-P, whatever there we want to call it. There you go. I always say, okay, my first one is perseverance. And I always go to Romans 3, 5 through 8. I believe that's the verse. And, you know, suffering, there's value in suffering. And that took me a long time to figure that out. And Romans, you know, is perseverance or sickness, suffering causes perseverance, which then causes um, character and then causes, you know, which gives you hope. And so, you know, all those things go together. And perseverance i really believe i've learned to persevere and that's from suffering and but what that does you know it helps me persevere and really just get through the bad times because then that develops my character and then that gives me hope so that's my first one and then my other one was um oh gosh what was it okay i had i had these written down i forgot so it was perseverance and then it was um and it's not it's not empathy and not sympathy i'll have to think about that i may have to may have to send you this in email but it was me learning to be um, more understanding of people when they're going through things. Patience, excuse me, patience. I have more apathy. I have more um, sympathy for people. And now I have empathy for people that are going through things. And I don't make such a quick judgment like, oh, you're so, you know, you're just being a jerk today or whatever. Mm. No, you don't know what's really going on. And so, you know, perseverance and patience. And then what was my other one? It was um, prayer and... Oh my gosh, I had the three P's all written down for you. And then I didn't get well, but... perseverance, patience, and maybe it was prayer and just leading me to hope and having a deeper relationship with my loved ones and, um, you know, pressing on and moving forward. And that all comes from hope. And, and so those are my, my three P's. If, if I'm wrong, I'll, I'll, text yet let you know it's all good and maybe it'll come to us like as yes. we continue talking so yes. no yes. worries but you did mention that recovery you feel like recovery is going slow for you did they give you some level of expectation as you were leaving like what you might yeah. hope to regain or why are you judging it as yeah. slow you know that is such a good question I think I think in my head because Duke did not give me any kind of they have been sure. very honest and wonderful and said, look, we just, we just don't know. Cause it's so variable and everybody's so different, um, that we just don't know. Now you could get, you know, all your skin could loosen only some of it, you know, our goal, the goal I've learned in HSCT is not necessarily to reverse your symptoms, right. especially since I've had, I've had contracted fingers for seven years. They're not just going to open up unfortunately right. um but the goal is to stop the progression yeah and so but i think in my head i was so excited and just a way to fight back that i thought okay i'm giving myself a year and then also a lot of my friends who have been through transplants um years ago 
they said, you're not going to feel right until a year. You're not going to feel even normal till a year. But I don't think they meant that everything's going to be perfect in a year. I think they just said, Kim, at least give yourself a year for the fatigue. For sure. The, you know, and I was coming home, going back to work. And that was not smart. I think in my head, I needed to come home and give in to when I needed to take a nap, take a nap. When I needed to lay down, lay down and not feel bad about those things. And I was really beating myself up going, no, no, mm. I'm through transplant. You know, it's been four months. I need to. I need to take my kids to school. I need to do the laundry. I need to all these things where that can really truly wait. Yeah. You know? Well, that's added stress that your body right. didn't need at the time. Right. And I think when I finally realized in September, it had been a year and I wasn't as far as I wanted to be, but that's okay. But Kim, you've got to get yourself, you know, being an OT, I thought I could do my own therapy. Sure. No, I needed to go to therapy. I needed to go. And Megan kind of said, Kim, stop it you got to go to therapy. I was like, you're right. Allow and yourself to said, be supported. Right. And Tanya got on to me. She said, you're not going to therapy. And that was a kind of a funny story. I was up there and kind of whining. I think I was being a little whiny and it was like nine months. And I think Tanya looked at me and she, she said, have you gone to therapy yet? And I said, no, I do my own therapy. She said, Kim, <laughs> you can be an OT all day long. You need to go to therapy. And that's when she said, we have one girl already running. And I remember going, what? And she, they never, and she didn't mean it that way. She didn't mean, she wasn't right. trying to be against anybody, but I looked at her, I said, what? And I'm not very competitive. And she said, yeah, oh gosh, well, this one girl is going to therapy and she's really gotten a lot better to where, you know, she's already started to run again. And I remember kind of thinking in my head, well, that's just uncool. She's after me and little, I call, I started calling her, um, Claire Durham a superwoman. <laughs> and that, that was like my term for her SS woman is what I said, and SSW, and that's what I would refer to her around the house as. Well, SSW is going to therapy, so maybe I need to, and that was Megan, of course. So then I uh, got in touch with Tanya, and Allison at the time was our wonderful coordinator at Duke. And I said, so who is this girl? I need to get in touch with her. And Allison said, I think I can get y'all in contact. So she did, and I met Megan, and Megan just kind of set me straight, you know, her competitive Iron Woman self said, you need to go get supported. And I said, you're right. So started going to therapy down here, best move ever made, because they did show me some things that my little, aware cocky of. Self, yeah, my little cocky self didn't know. Um, and so stubborn self, to say I have been, I'm very stubborn. And so, and so that helped me with my, some of my aches and pains that I was having and how to combat that. And, um, and, you know, I'll probably keep them what I call my arsenal. I'll, I'll go back to them when I need to, um, and get that done. And, you know, <laughs> so that's just a new group of family now and friends. And so that, I think I just had in my head for some reason that I was going to all be better in the year and the fight would end. Yeah. It's, and I well, it's so interesting that like right. after interviewing Megan and talking with her and her yeah. the onset of her disease was so quick and so rapid, so different than mine. Yes. I know. And so different. And I think maybe she's enjoyed that reversal in symptoms, not only from working so hard right. at recovery, but right. also from catching the onset of mm -hmm. destruction sooner, yes. right? Like yeah. you were living yeah. with scleroderma for five years before going through HSCT. So that's five years worth of damage that mm -hmm. you are working to heal not that right, you're stuck right. with but that yeah. you're working to heal right and so same right. work and heal. in and my in my mind like it's that I was diagnosed in 2010 and I experienced over seven years of damage right that I'm working to heal 
Right. It takes and I time. Like the way you say that because Dr. Long is very good at, he said, now, Kim, I don't know if your fingers are ever going to straighten out again. Right. Um, but because I was going, I was going to have my middle finger on my right side that's very contractive amputated. Oh. And he said, I am glad that you didn't do that, though, Kim, because we just don't know over the years what's going to happen. Right. You the know? power of the body to heal itself. Right. And so he's been very, very real with me. And, I, and so I know that I did that myself. I put that in my head myself that, oh, I need to be better in a year. And I think also, I think I was tired and I really wanted it to be that simple. Like, oh, yeah, a year is going to go by. And, but I think we've got to let each other know that that's okay to feel that way. And you're going to rest and then you're going to get your fight back and you're going to persevere and you're going to persist through and it's going to be okay. And then, you know, but I think you just have to allow yourself those valleys so you can get back up to the hill and, you know, in the peak and, the valleys are a must. That's where I love this term I heard at one of my conferences is that in the valleys where you get the rainwater and the rich soil and it's where you get the the fruit and everything to, to fuel you to get to that peak. You know, and so I really love that thought because I think sometimes don't be let's let's not be so scared of the valleys and you know, when we have to kind of be down a little because it's going to, that means there's only one way to go and, and we're going to get to go up and we're being fed in the valley. I love that. Uh, yeah. I learned that at a conference. I wish I could, wish I could take responsibility for that or credit for that, but I can't. <laughs> no worries. So then what could you offer as advice based on your experience with HSCT to anyone who is newly yeah. diagnosed with scleroderma or even anyone who's newly home from HSCT? Yeah. I think for me, what I've learned, and it really just hit me this week, actually, um, it's just that there's value in suffering and there's value in those valleys and the low points in our life, no matter what it is that you're suffering from, um, depression, MS, ALS, scleroderma, cancer, you know, that people are watching you, little people are watching you. And that's what I've always been drawn to that verse in Romans um, five, 3, 5 through 8, because it does talk about suffering and it's hard to suffer. And, you know, St. Paul suffered and just Job suffered. And and I remember telling people, but I don't want to be Job, you know, when I'd have my low days, you know, I don't want that. And what I failed to see at the time was people are watching me and they're watching me persevere and they're watching me fight and still be happy and still do things. And yeah, I, I hurt sometimes. And yeah, I struggle sometimes, but they're watching me overcome those struggles and I get my adaptive equipment and I get new shoes that keep my feet warm and I find hand warmers. You know, I talk to my community and find what works best. And then I've learned that, you know, the the value is you're inspiring people and you've got little people watching you and they think, well, then I can do anything too, you know? And, and so I always go back to that verse that you suffer, you persevere, that builds your character and you have hope. And that takes a lifetime and all your hills and valleys. And so I, I just think that Sometimes when we want it to end and it would, sometimes it would be easier. Sometimes it would, but gosh, cause heaven is not going to have any of these problems, <laughs> you know, and it's, I can fish all day up there with the manatee and everything, all the stuff I want to do. But in those moments when it's the hardest, whether it be a disease or the end of life, there's such value in lessons learned. And I think you become so much more connected with each other and our maker um, that, you know, don't, don't belittle that value that you'll learn and that you'll become what you'll become. Sure. Seeing your own strength and power right through that suffering. Right. You can surprise yourself. (laughs) 
And it's a beautiful thing. It is. It really is. And I'm so, I, you know, I, I hate when people say this, honestly, because it's so cliche that I'm thankful for my disease. I don't know if it's the disease I'm thankful for, but it's what I've learned. The, the person I'm becoming and still becoming, the wife that I have become and still becoming, the mom. I'm much more connected to my family. I'm a better daughter now, I'm a better sister. The things that I needed to work on, I'm much more willing to work on them mm. um, because life is so precious and I'm so thankful. And so I definitely have more of a, something I've seen on your podcast, people are much more grateful. The gratitude is just almost spilling over with people that like us who've gone through these things and their families because we get to see something that, you know, I like to say we get to see it that not many people get to see and they're caught up in some of the small things in life that just don't matter. And my mm -hmm. family, they know, they know that that's not important. Certain things aren't important. And when, you know, they're 14 and 11 and when they do go through those things, it doesn't take them long to get through it, you know? Um, right. They can see it. that bigger perspective. Right. Right. So life um, is short. It is. It's so short. And I can't believe I'm 44 because I'm like, wow, my brother was over here last night. I cooked dinner. That's one of the fun things I've noticed is that I'm feeling better to where I can cook again. So I made everybody pancakes and my parents are up here because we're all getting ready to head to Duke or to North Carolina. And my cousin has a cabin up there. And so we're staying there and we're going to take the girls hiking and skiing and all that. And my parents are coming with me and just going to be a little family reunion. Exciting. Well, Yes. And so I had my brother and his family come over last night and we, I co I'm cooking pancakes and just enjoying the time and thinking, wow, you know, I, I couldn't do this a year ago. I didn't mm. have the energy and I couldn't do those things. And it's just fun to be able to do that and be able to serve people again and feel good enough. And my girls helping and it's just, you know, I don't think I would have been able to do that had I not had HSCT. Isn't that amazing? Right. Right. Just the little things. It is. It's the little right. things in life. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, looking forward to going to Duke and see my medical team. Sure. You know, I'm looking forward to it. And um, I'm looking forward to my kids meeting the medical team one day and seeing who saved their mom. I mean, they saved me. They're my angels. It's kind of funny, too, because I live in Auburn, Alabama, where we're huge Auburn Tiger fans. And basketball has become, has gotten very big here. We made it to the final four last year and big deal. And, you know, here I am at Duke. Um, and I do sport my Duke shirts quite often. And I get looked at around here, like, what's your problem? Why are you wearing that? <laughs> I was like, well, you know, I did go to Auburn. I love Auburn, but Duke did save my life. And when I say that, they look mm. at me and I'm like, yeah, they saved my life. And then they shut up real quick. <laughs> well, and then do you share your story about HSCT? Right, right. It's a way that I can go, they saved my life. And so I cheer for both. And then they just kind of everybody giggles. And then, um, my brother-in-law went to North Carolina. So then I'm like, sorry, had to quit cheering for Chapel Hill. I, I got to go for, for Duke. So we just kind of make it fun and joke. And my girls wear their Duke stuff now too. And, um, who knows what's going to happen. <laughs> well, yeah, it's so easy to take the little things in life for granted, right? Yes. Yes, it really is. And just be able to cook pancakes and enjoy things and not be so tired and sure. yeah I still, have, I still hurt sometimes I still have to figure out what I got to do to to keep that from happening and then then the next day comes and it's a new day you know God's blessings are new every morning and I remember there was a time before HSCT where I looked at my husband and I never say this to my husband these kind of things to my husband and um I said to him I just don't want to get up tomorrow morning because I was hurting I was tired of hurting and he looked at me and he said 
oh my goodness, Kim. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. I don't mean it like that. You know, because I think, again, I was like, oh, I don't get depressed. I don't, you know, kind of pushing that to the back. But now I do look forward to getting up and taking my kids to school. I do look forward to, even if I know I might be a little sore, the winter months are always hard uh, on women or people with scleroderma just because of our sores and our hands and Raynaud's and all that. But um, I'm still looking forward to it. And I'm, I don't, you know, dread what's next anymore. And I really think that's from HSC too. That's you know, so me important. Hope. Give me a lot of hope. Yeah. So important. So, yes. Yes. So did you have any doubts or reservations going into HSCT? I don't think I did because, <laughs> because I had suffered for so long sure. for five years. Prior. And then also I, again, I did not do the research that some of my other friends have done. I was like, yay. I can fight back. Let's go. You know, like That's powerful. I just, it was, but I will say that might not be the smartest way for a lot of people because I think, <laughs> I think I thought, oh, three months is going to go by. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna lose my hair, big deal. Um, oh yeah, I'm gonna have to have chemo, radiation. I'll get over it. You know, um, oh, I'll be two weeks isolated in the, you know, isolation ward. Oh, fine. And then I think I thought three months is going to go by, and I'm just coming home, and everything's going to be normal. And that's because I. I did stay in the dark a little bit too long, I think. Um, I think, you know, we do have to be realists here and realize it's going to take longer than that. I mean, I even told them, I don't need to come with anybody. And they looked at me like, Kim, you are crazy. Yes, you do. You definitely need a carer. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I was like, you do? You know, so I, I stayed a little bit. I allowed myself to stay in the dark a little too long. I think because I, that's just kind of my way. I like to be happy. I like, but you got to be a realist too. And so I would say, you know, kind of really do know what you're getting into just so you can prepare. Because I was real, the one time I think Dr. Long ever saw me aggravated is I had been on steroids way too long. <laughs> I had promised my little girl. So I started my HSCT in August and then I got my stem cells September 4th. And I thought I was going to be, um, I thought that I was going to be home by October 13th, which is my daughter's birthday. Mm. <laughs> I promised her, I promised her I was going to come home. And I looked at Dr. Long. I said, you got to let me go. He said, you are not ready. Mm. I said, and the hurricane had kind of messed that up too. There was a hurricane up there that had, I said, look, I've got you. And he goes, I'm going to let you go home for the weekend, but then you've got to come back. Oh, wow. And so, yes, they were really, they were wonderful to work with me on that. So they let me come home for the weekend with my mom. I got to surprise my oldest and my youngest with balloons for the birthday, for the youngest birthday. And it was a really special time, but I did have to go back. But that was okay. And so I got back. But that's the only time I think he saw me getting a little feisty. Like, you got to get me out of here. Like, it's his fault or something. But um, And so he's like, I can't control the weather. I was like, yes, you can. You know, you can control everything, Dr. Long. Well, um, and you, I mean, you want to be able to be there for your family during those important right. moments, right? And that's another thing that's really neat about these. I'm sure Northwestern is the same. And you know, out in California, but they, they really understand that's part of the healing process and they'll do anything they can to help you get that as well. Um, and you know, he's just a big teddy bear and they were all just so wonderful. And so they, they knew it was important for me to get back. I d did have a complication when I came back. So I'm thankful that I came back to do, cause the next day, that next morning was my checkup and I had a seizure. <laughs> um, I do have epilepsy. I, I got diagnosed with that when I was in my 20s. And so, oh, wow, okay. I know. And so, I, you know, I've been on medicine for that for years, but I, good medicine, Keppra, it doesn't seem to bother me. Um, and so, 
I had a, a weird seizure that next morning and it scared everybody. We kind of thought maybe it was a different type of seizure than what I'm, my body normally has. And so it scared us. We kind of thought it was a stroke at first. So they did all the things, you know, I went to the ER, they did everything you're supposed to do, all the checkups. And so it turned out, we really think that it was just a seizure, but that led me to the most incredible neurologist ever up there. So, you know, there's always a bright side and, um, I love my, my neurologist up there. And I have one locally too, led me to her as well. And so she's great. And so there's always, you know, a bright side. I'm not one of those that thinks there's a reason for everything, but I do think there's good can happen out of everything. Sure. Sunny side. Right. Right. Well, it's it's an important mindset, right? To be able to find that positive side. It really is. You know, that might be my greatest superpower is I've always been, I do think it's a gift. I've always been a happy person, but I'm an optimistic person. And and I I really believe I get that from my father. We just tend to be that way. But I do think it's a gift because I don't think you can just go be happy to people. And not everybody, you know, has it that easy. And I understand that. And I have such um, empathy for, for those people now that I've been through what I went through with a little bit of my anxiety and depression in September. Um, but I do think that that's a gift that I'm able to say, okay, I know that that's a gift. So I'm going to really capitalize on that and be sure. thankful that that's one of my gifts and just really look at the sunny side of things. And yes, I'll allow myself to have my rainy days, but I'm not going to stay there long. I do a lot of self-talk. I do believe in affirmations, self-affirmations. And because at the end of the day, you are the one that it can't be your doctor. It can't be your spouse. It can't be your kids or your your parents. It has to be you at the end of the day telling yourself what you can do, Mm. you know, and that's okay. And, but you have to practice that. There's definitely, there's definitely neuroscience involved in that. And you've got to train your brain because we think, unfortunately, negative thoughts are much more prevalent in all of our brains and they tend to hang on more than positive thoughts. So you really have to you have to work on that. You have to practice that. That's so interesting. Like part of me, part of me thinks that's just the disease, right? Yes. Wanting yes. to stay comfortable in its old habits. Exactly. And here we I, are wrecking it and stopping its progression yeah, and telling it what to do. Exactly. Good for us. Yes, exactly. You know, it's funny. A lot of the women and men that I've come across tend to be on the stubborn side. And I was like, you know, I think we have to be <laughs> got to be a little stubborn to, to battle these lovely, strange diseases, you know, um, and persevere. Yes. Right. So I told my mom, you know, bless my parents, you know, I've always been, I've been happy, but I've always been a little stubborn, and a little sassy. And so, um, they laugh at me now. They say, well, it definitely served you well. I'm like, yes, it certainly has, <laughs> um, to be stubborn and sassy along with scleroderma and, my oldest kid's a lot like me. And so I said, oh, well, it'll serve her well one day after she gets past getting in trouble for her mouth. Indeed. <laughs> uh, right. I think you're right. It's a, it's that kind of disposition that can help us persevere. Right. right. So. so what are you grateful for about your experience with HSCT that has gone unspoken? Gosh, just that perspective of life now, the little things in life that really are what matters. It's not money. It's not the way you look even, you know, because scleroderma really changes your, your looks. It will. It, and it's not that. It's not the hair. It's not clothes or how big your house is. It's that time you get with your family. I'm so thankful for more time and that perspective and realizing that because I'm sassy and stubborn and 
had a sunny disposition or have a sunny disposition. When people didn't, I would automatically judge. I hate to say that. I didn't know I was doing that, but I would judge them thinking, what's your problem? Life's good. But it really isn't for a lot of people. And to have that perspective so then I can be more empathetic now with people, no matter what it is they're going through, even though I may not understand what they're going through, I can empathize with them. I'm better about that now and just enjoying life and enjoying the little things and not stressing so much over, well, I don't have my college savings for my kids. Well, that's okay. We'll figure it out. You know, we're going to work on it now and we'll figure it out. Because it also, you know, was a lot of money to live up there. And sure, that doesn't matter. I have time now. I have, you know, so if anybody's allowed or able to get HSCT, even if they're financially struggling, there's ways. It'll be figured out. Run, get it. If, if your body will survive it and let you and the medical team is behind you, go get it because the time that it offers you and then the quality time. Because it's not just time that you want. You want good quality of that of time. And, you know, cooking dinner last night was great. Sure. I enjoyed every second of it. And so, and I got to teach my daughter how to flip pancakes correctly. And awesome. Just, you know, the little things. And um, that is definitely the biggest gift. That's beautiful. It, it is the little things in life, right? It is. It, that's what matters. And, you know, I remember being first married or coming to college. Well, first I thought I was going north of school. I find that hilarious because I'm from Florida. And I thought I was coming up here to Alabama, which was north to me. <laughs> <laughs> Which is totally not, but we get snow here every once in a while. So for me, it is, um, you know, going to North Carolina this weekend is really a north for me. And, you know, I wanted the big house and all the things that you think are the fairy tale in America, but that's really not. It's the time. It's the people that you get to connect with. And, and I've learned that now those things just don't matter. And I thought I would be in a lot different place at 44 when I was in my 20s. I thought I'd my house would be perfectly built and everything would be put away perfect and I would be Miss Supermom and in shape and all that. But I look now and I think, but I, but I do have all those things. It might not be where I thought it was going to be in my 25 year old mind, but it's so much better. And, you know, the closeness that I have with my family and my parents now, my mom and I feel like I've gotten even closer through all this and um, my kids and my husband and I, you know, it's just been the perspective on the little things in life. That's, that's invaluable. They're really the big, right. They're the big things, not the, the big things that we think are big. <laughs> no, so true. Yes. It, you know, it is, it's really, you know, your trauma, that suffering and the trauma and the transplant really does lead to transition. Your life transitions to something so much better. It's been so great to connect with you. I'm you too. I'm you too. Thinking about like, yeah, let's do the get together of the family. It's been in the back of my head forever to do like some kind of national conference. And hopefully with HSCT Warriors Incorporated, Mm -hmm. the nonprofit, hopefully we Mm -hmm. can really start working on finding a date, finding a location, bringing together all the HSCT Mm -hmm. Warriors just to connect. Mm -hmm. Count me in to help with that. I do agree. I would love to just get families together. I know Duke does a year once you've been out a year of transplant. They have a reunion. Oh, cool. So I'll, get to go, I'll get to go to that one this September. So I'm excited because I just missed the, the year reunion because my stem cells were right after. Um, so I'll get to go to that one. And I do plan on going to that one. And I would love to hit more conference, some of the scleroderma conferences, but this one this year is in Seattle. And I just couldn't go that, that far this year as much as I would love to. And so I am hoping to start getting more involved, but I would love 
I agree with you. Just anybody who's had transplant HSCT for whatever, I think it would be such a good thing because I think families need that support system too. Yes. Other spouses, other kids. And I think people need to, other families need to see how so many of these people are thriving. Yes. That gives people hope. You know, my mom's getting ready to go to, to transplant. Oh, wow. My dad's getting ready. Oh, but she's going to be like that in a year. Okay, we got this. Because one thing my kid did tell me, my oldest, she's had a much more on her over the years. Um, but my oldest did tell me about a month and a half ago. She goes, I, I did, mom. I thought you might die. And, you know, that never hit, that never crossed my mind when I was transplant. I never thought I was, even though I know that was a possibility, I just, I guess it, it just wasn't. It wasn't Something part that, of your survivor mindset, right? Right. It wasn't. And I didn't and I didn't even think that my poor child thought, gosh, maybe she thought she was having other thoughts. And I wish I said, Oh my gosh, Ellie, I'm so sorry. I didn't know that you thought that. You know, she goes, I did. And she kinda she's not a crier, but she did start crying a little bit. And I said, Well, oh my gosh, honey, I okay, talk to me. You know, and yeah. then it, but gosh, a year had gone by before she told me. Mm-hmm. Um and so I think other kids would be Yes. We'd love to see survivors, whether it be one year survivor, four month survivor or five year survivor. They need to see, you know, because David um, was his name, the lawyer that helped me that also had gone to the trial at Duke 15 years ago. He was a huge help for me because I saw what 15 years look like sure. after this. And, you know, he, he said, I do it again a million times. Another lady I spoke with she said, I do it again at the same time. So to hear that gave me hope that my poor children didn't see that. And sure. so now I'm like, gosh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, um, they did meet David. So they did see, I would remind them a lot about that, that they didn't have very long with them. So any kind of get together like that would be incredible. Yeah. You know, I, I am on board hundred percent. Awesome. Sign up. You put me to work. Thank I you. <laughs> no, that's exciting. It's not about money anymore to me. It's about, okay, what can I find passion in yes. with other people? And that's, that's where I'm at. Beautiful. So I am all for this. I'm excited. <laughs> oh, I'm excited too. Yeah. It'll be wonderful to connect with you someday soon yes. in, in the community and family that we now right. are part of thanks to HSCT. Yes. And I know they call you Zenjen, but um, I think Megan's right. We're gonna have to call you sugar sweet Zenjen. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate and honor the vulnerability it takes to share your story, right? And oh, so, thank you. I same. I feel the same with you and all the ones before me. I can't wait to share this with my family and my daughters. And if there's anything else I can do, I am just. I just want to help other people at this point. Just, I don't want anybody to ever feel isolated and alone like I felt. Right. Thank you so much. Oh, sure. Anytime. It's been great talking with you, Kim. Thanks for sharing your sunny disposition with us. Well, thank you. And thank you for everything you're doing and everybody else too. I'm just so, again, just so thankful. My cup runneth over and y'all let me know what I can do to help. Be sure to visit hsctwarriorspodcast.com where you can find notes from today's episode, submit ideas or feedback, and connect with resources at the HSCT Warriors Incorporated Nonprofit. As always, special thanks to musical genius Billy Allitt-Salzer for sharing his superpowers to create the soundtrack, edit, and produce the audio to make this podcast possible. You can find us both when you subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcasts. 
It's been so great to connect with warriors worldwide. And we would love to hear from you about how the podcast has helped your journey with autoimmune disease. Take a moment to connect with us on Instagram or share this episode with someone you know that would enjoy listening. In the meantime, we hope you'll tune in next Wednesday for another episode highlighting another HSCT warrior. Until then, be a snowflake and embrace your superpowers. Be kind. Be well. John Stansberry Koenig and the producers disclaim medical influence and responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained in the podcast. If you think you have a medical problem, please contact a licensed physician.